Our reading today is from Philippians chapter 3, where Paul says, If anyone else thinks he has reasons to, be, to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. But as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is our reading. Thank you, Sharon. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody today. You know, uh, it's always interesting when a new baby is born into a family, and it, the, the, the conversations that happen are, are very, very interesting. Uh, you, the family gathers around the baby, and typically they look at the baby and they say, hmm, who does he look like? Who does she look like? Oh, I think, oh, that's grandpa's nose right there. That's grandpa's nose. And then look at those ears, those earlobes. Those are, those are like, like your family's ears, okay? And then invariably it gets down to other body parts. And then, you know, of course, the, the thighs. And, uh, oh, this kid's going to be an athlete. Look at those legs, right? Well, who are you looking like in your life? Who are you becoming uh, what's, what's your resemblance? Who do you resemblance in your re, resemble in your relationship with God, but also in your relationship with other people? Today, we're, we're starting a three-part series that's entitled, That I May Be His Own. And it comes from Martin Luther's explanation of the second article, where, where Luther talks about how I believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. He has redeemed me a lost and condemned person. He's purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the, the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood on the cross and his innocent sufferings and death. So that, here it is, that I may be his own. What does it mean for you to be his own? It means that in your life, you're resembling Jesus. And, and it closely uh, reflects our mission statement that we've had for years here at Cornerstone Lutheran Church. And, and if, you, if you remember it, you can say it with me. Our ministry, what's our purpose? It is to reach out, care for, and build people toward maturity in Christ. Well, today we're focusing on this building toward maturity in Christ. And what does it mean to be mature in Christ? It means to resemble Jesus, to be like Him. 
in our attitudes, in our actions, in our love. And so we are being built up, all of us, to be more and more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul in our epistle for today reflects this attitude when when he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to become like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. So how do we become more like Jesus? If you look at those words, there's, there's kind of two aspects of that. First of all, the Apostle Paul says, I want to become like Jesus in his sufferings and in his death. How does that relate to you and me? It means that when we look to the cross, we realize that we too die with Jesus. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ so that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we are crucified with Christ. The oldness of our sin is confessed and then it's forgiven. It's taken away through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. So we become like him in his death, so to speak, as the old person in us is drowned. But that's not where it stops. He says, my passion, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And when you know the power of Christ and the victory that he won for you through his death, but also through his resurrection, that he has conquered your sins, when you know that power, it becomes special for you because that power becomes evident not only in the way that you trust in Jesus to take away your sins and to give you everlasting life, but it gives you the power then to become more and more like Jesus. That you are transformed, that you are changed. So that yes, as the new person is, the old person is drowned, the new person can then come forth and live for Christ. Now, when it comes to this kind of resembling Jesus and becoming like him, Paul uses some accounting words here. He uses the word prophet and the word loss. He says, all the things that I considered to be my prophet, now, as a result of Jesus and his victory, I consider to be a loss. And you look at all the reasons why Paul had to boast as his prophet. And it goes back, he talks about how he was a Jew of Jews, how he was a Pharisee. He followed the law perfectly in this section. He talks about how he was the tribe of Benjamin. That was one of the, tri- the top tribes of the 12 tribes. He, he followed the law. He was righteous to the T. And yet when it came to all of the stuff that he had done, he said, it's a loss com- compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus and the new life that he had in him. All the things of this world that we think are so important, and we've got so many po- important things, our jobs, Our futures, our relationships, those are important. But when it comes to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, it's a loss. Paul goes even further. He says, I consider them rubbish, garbage, the kind of stuff that you would only feed to the dogs. That's what the Greek word means. He says, it's all a loss compared to knowing Jesus and in that becoming more and more like him. Well, Paul gives us some some practical hints here about how we can be mature in Christ and how we can grow to be more and more like Jesus. And he mentions two things. First of all, the first principle that that we see is that we press on uh, even though we haven't arrived. That 
progress is what it's about, not perfection. Look at verses 12 through 14. He says, not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect. Twice, he mentions two negatives, his own imperfections. He says, but instead, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Paul makes it clear that it's about progress, not about perfection. By God's grace, we learn to press on in spite of our imperfections. The fact is, Paul hadn't arrived, and neither have you. None of us are where God is taking us to be yet. We are incomplete. We are not perfect. That we keep having to strain forward and press on toward what is ahead because God has more in his plan for us. And we may not know what it is, but God's got a glorious plan that you can trust him. And in doing so, we press on because we haven't arrived. It's easy to get frustrated though, isn't it? It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to think that somehow our best days are behind us. I uh, enjoyed reading a story that's called The Daffodil Principle. If you go into the hills of California, beautiful wine country and so forth, there's, you'll see a, a little white church. And if you go past this little white church on a gravel road, you come to a glorious field in the spring, in the early spring, that is just covered with beauty. Daffodils. And uh, there, there are different colors of daffodils. There's, there's um, great ribbons of swath of deep orange and white lemon and yellow and salmon pink and saffron and butter yellow. And each variety is planted so that it just looks like streams and rivers. And uh, it's just a magnificent sight. Five acres are completely covered with daffodils. There's an A-frame house that's right by this field. And uh, on it, there's a poster that says this. Answers to questions I know you are asking. The first answer, it says 50,000 bulbs. The second answer, one at a time by one woman, two hands, two feet, and very little brain. The third answer, begun in 1958. One woman planted 50,000 bulbs over nearly 50 years. And year after year, she just kept planting more and more, one by one, year after year. And so it's called, we might call it the daffodil principle. Don't you think there were mornings when this lady got up and her back hurt from stooping over so much and maybe she had arthritis and said, I just can't go on, I can't do this. Don't you think as she, as she stuck her spade or her shovel into this rocky dirt that, that they have, this soil in California, that she said, I just can't, I, I, I'm sorry, I just can't go on. I can't do another bulb. But she didn't quit. It was her passion. She just kept on pressing on to her goal. You see, in becoming like Jesus, the Holy Spirit reminds us that God isn't finished with us yet. It's all about the process of growing to becoming more and more mature in Jesus, to becoming more and more like Him as we worship Him, 
as we receive his sacrament today, as we spend time with him in the word, as we talk to him in prayer, as we fellowship with other Christians, God is building us up to be more and more like him. And so it's all about progress, not perfection. The second practical hint that the Apostle Paul reminds us of is that the past is over. The past is in the past, so we need to let it go. We need to forget it. Look at the words that he uses. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what lies behind. The Greek word for forgetting here is actually a word that comes from the track world, the running world, where an Olympic runner, once in the head, once out in front of the pack, would not look back. You can't look back because when you look back, you turn your head, you turn your shoulders, your hips, and you lose momentum. And so the Apostle Paul is using that same kind of picture. You got to forget what is behind and go forward in your life. And I have found that there's two kinds of forgetting that we all need to have. We need to forget sometimes our past achievements. We live in the glory years, the good old days. Remember those? When we used to do this, or when we had that, and when we experienced that, and we get trophies, and we get honors, and we get accolades, and everybody notices what we've done, and we, we remember those things. But in doing so, it can hold us back for going forward. It doesn't mean that we don't build on our past. It doesn't mean that history is not important that we learn from our history. But if we're going to press on to being more and more like Jesus, sometimes we've got to let go of what's in the past, our past achievements. We also need to sometimes let go of our past failures. When we remember our past failures, what does it do for us? It recalls a time of, of shame, maybe. A time of failure. A time when we didn't give it our best. When we miss the mark of what God expects. And when we let our past failures control us. Again, it holds us back from going forward. And so Paul says, forget it. Let it go. Like the Apostle Paul, none of us has arrived. None of us has been made perfect. And so by God's grace, we keep pressing on. That mission statement that you heard has has been alive and well here at Cornerstone Lutheran Church for, for well over 20 years. I think about 24 years now. And during that time, we've seen so many people reach out and care for and build up others. And we've been part of that process too. And it's been so fun to see people mature in their life and in their faith. And I believe that all of us has a story, and it's kind of neat. Today we're going to watch some video clips of people from each of our our different uh, worship venues this morning, of here at Carmel, Fishers, and downtown. So let's watch the video and let's listen to their stories. I'm Holly Nicholson, and I have been a member of Cornerstone Lutheran Church for eight and a half years. And I am the wife to Josh Nicholson and the mom of Claire, who is five, Max, who is three, and Sam, who is one. My name's Mike Knotts. Um, I help with the audio and video on the, at the Fisher site on the Sunday morning services. Um, my wife is Emily. Uh, she also is, uh, sings uh, 
at the Fisher site during the worship services. I have a son, Andrew, and, and Jacob. They also help during the audio and video as well. Hi, my name is Jake Dietrich. Uh, I am a resident of downtown Indianapolis. Uh, married to my beautiful wife, Hannah. We just got married this past summer in July uh, by Pastor Scott. And uh, we are parents to a beautiful golden retriever named Hank. Through the works, through the wellness ministry and through my husband being involved in the golf scramble, the kids going to Sunday school and preschool here at Cornerstone, this place has just changed our life. We look forward to being here every Sunday. I would say that God has impacted my faith through CLC, um, probably in the biggest way of understanding how faith can be a part of a community. Uh, the way that CLC has been able to locate in multiple different sites that are focused on engaging the community around it helps emphasize that um, church is more than just a place where we go on Sunday mornings, but it's a way that we connect uh, people within our neighborhoods or our friends and our coworkers to uh, be a part of the same community um, focused on uh, continuing to grow uh, God's kingdom. About a year and a half ago, Kate Geiger came to me and uh, mentioned my name to Pastor Max that I would be a good person to lead the wellness ministry here at church. And um, as a fitness instructor, I took the lead. However, I didn't really know that there was going to be a part that um, really focused this ministry on devotions and um, bringing people to Christ and bringing our community to um, see Cornerstone as a great place for people to worship and a great place to hear God's Word um, even after an exercise class. God has grown our faith in myself and my family uh, throughout the Saturday night services that began prior to the Fisher's site opening. Uh, we had time of fellowship through Bible study class on Saturday night and also through um, dinners that they provided every every Saturday night after the services. One of the people that have impacted uh, my faith the most would be Pastor Mark Tyke uh, of St. Peter's Lutheran in Columbus. And uh, Long ago, Pastor Tyke told me that he thought that I should be a pastor. And um, I thought that that was something that was interesting, but it didn't feel like, I didn't feel God truly calling me to that ministry. And what Pastor Tyke encouraged me after um, hearing that is that, we don't have to be uh, pastors or um, on church staff. Way people can impact the community of Christ in just as many great ways. And that, I think that's something that I tr strive to emulate and share with others. God has grown my faith um, by, by me teaching, coaching, uh, Financial Peace University, um, Dave Ramsey course, um, and watching the families that come through the course um, that are growing in their faith as well getting themselves out of debt. About um, a year ago, we joined a small group here at Cornerstone, and these people have become like our family. And it's so great to know that we have friends that have the same belief that we do. We have friends that pray for us. We have friends that lift us up. And just the whole, the church as a whole has just been a blessing in the life of all five of us in our home. Great to hear stories like that, isn't it? And you have a story too. Why? Because God isn't finished with you yet. You are in progress.
And you are becoming more and more like Jesus, being built up toward maturity in him. Back to the uh, daffodil principle. You know, that lady uh, changed the world where she lived, wasn't it? One bulb at a time, one planting, one year at a time. Uh, after seeing this spectacular garden, uh, one, one woman remarked, she said, you know, it makes me sad in a way. What, uh, what might have happened if, if I would have accomplished something like this? If I had a wonderful goal 30 or 40 years ago, and if I worked at it like that one bulb at a time, just think what I would have been able to achieve. That's when her daughter turned to the mother and said, Mom, why don't you start tomorrow? That's when the mother said to the daughter, I'm going to start today. And so we start today. God has a wonderful purpose for you. And he's building you. You're not done yet, right? And so forgetting what lies behind, you press on toward the goal. And you pray, Jesus, continue to grow in my heart and my life. And he does it today through his word and a few minutes to Holy Communion. Continue to lead me and guide me and to help me become more like you. Amen? Amen. Amen. May God bless us.